Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. Well, what happens, what happens when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste? Well, I know, toothpaste comes out, but I understand, but that's, that's really not my point, so we'll go on beyond that. When you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, you shape it, don't you? It's shaped from the outside in. And if you keep squeezing, eventually it's just going to empty. It's going to be empty. However... And I, I don't know, I may, I may need some assistance for the second part, but I'm going to try this today. If you were to take a balloon, it's very different. A balloon doesn't have very much shape at all, kind of flat. So. But if you were to... It, he still got it. If you were to do this, then what happens... You shape, you shape this something that was nothing. You shape it, but how? You shape it from the inside out. Its shape depends upon what's on the inside. That's what, that's what we see when it comes to living in this world. Living as a Christian, either you allow things on the outside to squeeze you like a toothpaste. You know, tube toothpaste. Now, some people are squeezers and some people are rollers. Now, if you squeeze are married to a roller or vice versa, I don't know. You guys work it out. But regardless of the fact, it's shaped from the outside in. But as believers, we're called to what? To be transformed, to be changed, transformed. What? From the inside out. And just as the balloon was filled with wind or air, then God transforms us through his wind, through the power of his Holy Spirit, through his word. If we will allow him to, he'll work in our lives to shape us and to change us. We have two options in life. We can be squeezed and shaped by pressure by the world system around us, allowing the convictions and values and attitudes from people all around you to shape your life. Or you can be transformed molded, shaped, redesigned from the inside out. I want us to go back to our theme verse for this series, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go there, and I think it'll be on the screen. And uh, uh, in the New King James Version, Romans 12, 1, 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now it says, I beseech you, therefore. Now when there's a therefore, there's a reason why it's there. It's therefore, it's referring to something prior to that. If you go back to Romans 8, it's talking about the wonderful blessings of God, the overwhelming blessings of God in our life and how he changes us. And then you come into chapter 9, which there was no chapter divisions in the original text, but, but we, now we have it. In chapter 9, you come in and says, now since God has done all, in the, all of this in our life, then I beseech you, brethren, then present your bodies to him. Present your life to him completely. And then when you pick up in verse 2, it says, and, and don't, do not be conformed or shaped by the world. Amplified Bible says, 
don't be shaped by its superficial values and customs, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed or shaped. Don't take on the world's pattern. The pattern, and when it's talked about the world's pattern, literally that means the prevailing thoughts and patterns of life, attitudes, lifestyles that you see in culture around you, those that are not followers of Christ. New Living Translation puts it this way, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly a way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you from the, in, from the new person by being a new person, changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I go back to the message in verse 2, to the message paraphrase. It's paraphrase, but look at this. You know, we've looked at this a time or two, but it's just, I think, really speaks to us in, in today's language. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. The truth is that most of us most of the hours of our days is spent out in what we call the world. We're confronted with people at work or at school and different people that around us. And we're bombarded sometimes because of that, because of the world system, because of the news, because of your interaction with people. We're bombarded with systematic, pervasive, and, 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 and things that, that reach our lives that try to shape them. You know, the truth is that today it really seems to be easier to try to fit in or to blend into the popular things around us, into what's accepted by society. And it seems to be easier than living by biblical principles, doesn't it? Now, remember, the world's not neutral. The world is not neutral. It's making a deliberate assault on Christian values and standards. Uh, well, you've seen this in recent years with dramatic cultural shift, very alarming, increased violence, attacks on Christianity. We've seen uh, perversion, calling good evil and evil good, no absolutes. And our society has become somewhat desensitized to evil. We have uh, also seen the church affected and infected by political correctness. <gasps> be, be careful you offend someone. Don't, don't, you don't need to say that. You don't need to take this stand because you might hurt someone's feelings. Someone said that there's three revolutions that dramatically affected the world. The first was the American Revolution. The second, the Industrial Revolution. And thirdly, the Sexual Revolution. Because we saw that kind of come to, to fruition, to full bloom during the 60s for those of us that were around then. And the free love idea and shacking up together. And it led, to, it led to a time to where rather than it be in this kind of fringe area group out here, it began to infiltrate 
other people that were not considered to be fringe area people. It began to infiltrate society and, and, and believers, even the church, where it's all right to move in together, no matter whether you're married or not. Premarital sex, is everybody does that, no big deal. They attempt to try to redefine marriage. What's happening today, the, the, the infiltration of, of, the, of the, the very damaging, hurtful philosophies and teachings concerning uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, and all the perversion, pornography, pornography. It's out there, folks, and it's doing its best to shape people's lives. And remember, uh, the, the truth is, is that the reason it's such a great danger is because it's a subtle compromise that's taking place. We have our standards, what we believe, and because things are affecting us on the outside and because the, the, the society begins to accept it as being normal, then it has a tendency to begin to shape us until we've compromised to a point to where, well, as author and teacher R.W. Stott wrote, he said, insofar as the church is conformed to the world and the two communities appear to the onlooker to, the onlooker to be merely two versions of the same thing, then the church is contradicting its true identity. Now get this, what's this? No no comment could be more harmful to the Christian than the words, but you're no different from anybody else. Say it one more time. No comment could be more harmful to the Christian than the words, but you're no different from anyone else. You see, how does this fit into the series Transformed Living from the Inside Out? Because God is moving in our lives to transform us. And as believers, we want to see that transformation of grace and spiritual growth. But at the same time, you're being attacked by these things or you're being confronted, perhaps very subtly, by these things that are not biblical, that are certainly not what a Christ follower would want to do. And and yet, if people around you begin practicing, it's okay for them and everything, and then society begins to say, well, I don't really see any harm in that, then very slowly the church begins to drift in that way until finally, in some situations, you look and say, well, you know, I really can't tell the difference between someone who is a believer, a Christian, and someone isn't it. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. So, so it's something we need to address today. The question is, do we fit in? As believers, should we fit in or stand out? Should you fit in or stand out? Well, that's a good question because the answer is that yes. Should you fit in or stand out? Yes. Now wait, isn't that a contradiction? Is a contradiction. You can't always do both. You can't always do both. Sometimes you have to, sometimes you can you can fit in, sometimes you can't. But there are, I want to look at two principles or ideas, ways of life, that as a believer we have to hold in balance. There's a tension between them, but so you have to hold them in balance. Uh, author Andrew Walls describes it this way. He says there are two impulses in life. Uh, there's what he calls the indigenous, the indigenous principle, which is to fit in, to be able uh, to identify with the culture around you. And there's the pilgrim principle, which means we are loosened from the culture and we stand there to correct it and sometimes criticize it. Both. There are times, there are times when you're indigenous. You become like the people around you. 
Then there are times when no. You're to be very different. In other words, you may have to address what's going on in the culture that is wrong and needs to be changed. Christians are in the world, but they're not of it. You have to know the balance. Jesus prayed and he says, Father, I don't pray that you take them, his disciples, out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Fit in, don't take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. But they're to stand out and be separated in the world. That's a strange thing. Look at the life of Jesus himself. We call it the incarnation. What is that? We read, particularly read about it in John chapter 1, but you can read about it in the birth of, of Jesus uh, in the other gospels. And, and essentially that's what's saying that God was born, Jesus was born, given birth to become man. From a virgin, he was born. And John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, indigenous. I'm going to become like you. Jesus had to become like us in order for us to become like him. Yeah, amen. Jesus had to become like us in order for us to become like him. So he came and was born subjected to all the things that we're subjected to as a human being. He became a part of mankind in that sense. So, yeah, he fit in. However, he lived in that situation without sin. He lived in that situation separated to obey and follow the Father, God, the Father. The Bible says that he came into his own to fit in, but his own didn't receive him. He was set apart. Well, we could use these words. If we're looking at this tension of fit in, stand out. It's how, how do I adapt to certain situations? How do I know whether to adapt to it or to confront it? How do I know whether to participate in something or separate myself from it? Now, I'm right down where the rubber meets the road here, folks, in this message. This is talking about determining, helping us to determine when it's right, when there's things that we're to follow and obedience to the Lord and when we may miss it, when, we are, when we're more affected by being squeezed from the outside or allowing God to lead us from the inside. Now, look, I don't want this to sound like a religious message or a, a legalistic message. That's not what this is at all. And before I get to the end, you'll certainly realize that. But every one of us faces this thing when we are around people, when we are placed in certain circumstances in life. Do I act like them or do I stand out and be different? Do I talk like them or do I stand out? Do I talk differently? What, 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 how can I do that? How can I have the right balance? Do I participate with what's going on or do I not participate? I separate myself. How do I live in the world and still not be part of the world? Do I fit in or stand out? It's a challenge. It's a challenge to find that right balance. But look, look at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. I could go into a lot here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It kind of builds on some things taught in, in chapter 8 where Paul's 
addressing some things concerning uh, Christian liberty, the freedom to do certain things. And, and the, the bottom line is, is that, Paul, that Paul says, look, I've been set free from the law and from legalism through Christ. It's by grace now. I, I live through his grace. I don't have to keep all this legalism laws and everything. It's through a relationship with God. How many of you grateful for that? Amen, me too. And, and so uh, he's saying, you know, in that, in that particular setting, there in sacrifices, the sacrifices were often made to idols. Animal sacrifices were made to, to, uh, to idols and idol worship. And then some people would take the, the remaining uh, parts of the human sacrifice, not human sacrifice, but of the animal sacrifice, they would take these animal sacrifices and, and they would eat, they would take it and use it for food. And then the Christians were, uh, were, were struggling with this idea, now wait, now wait. There's nothing wrong with taking an animal that's been, that, that's just an animal that's been, you know, that's available to me and cook it and prepare it and eat. Then there were those who said, no, you can't do that because if you eat of something that's offered to an idol, then you are being involved in idol worship. There was a real controversy of whether, is it okay for a follower of Christ to do this or not? Is there something wrong with it or not? And, and Paul addresses this along with everything else and he says, you know, we're free. Let me, let me just bottom line it for you. He says, I'm free. This, doesn't, this really doesn't condemn me. I'm free to do it. But if it causes someone to be offended, if it's going to cause my, my witness uh, to be compromising in sort of way, if it's going to cause someone else to fall or to compromise in their own Christian life because they have a real problem with this idea of eating meat that's been offered to idols, then Paul says, look, I'm free to do it. It's no, it's no real sin against God. I have the liberty to do it, but I choose not to just have my own way because I'm very interested on how it's going to affect others. That is a very important principle for followers. It's not saying, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's asking the question, how is it going to affect others? So looking at this, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, then he says in verse 22, he says, I've become all things to all men so that I may by all means in any kind in every way save some by leading them to faith in Christ. He says, I've become, that's adaptation, isn't it? That's indigenous. That's fitting in. He said, I've become all things to all men that I could win some to bring them to Christ. What does that mean? The problem is that some people misinterpret that to think that Paul becoming all things to all men, that he was adapting to, to, he was adapting to a certain lifestyle. And unfortunately, that li he, he never compromised his convictions and he never compromised his faith when he did come to this place of saying, I'll become all things to all men. It meant I'll set aside my own, I'll set aside my right I'll set, a right, I'll set aside where there has to be my way and instead my focus is going to be how can I lead that person to the gospel? How can I lead that person to Christ through the gospel? There is, there, he would not go to the extreme to be like certain men in partaking of what they did. It just meant that he was adapting himself in any way that would help them say yes to the gospel and receive Christ. So look at verse 19 in chapter 9 there. It says, 
Paul says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I've become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ, to the Jews and the Gentiles. He says, I'm free, but I've committed myself to this, that I'll make whatever adjustments that I can to be an effective witness and effective, uh, to effectively influence others, but I will only do that up to a point because I will not compromise my commitment to the Lord. I will not compromise my faith. It's not always, it's not always an easily recognized difference there. You have, to, you have to learn to discern. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, Paul said, don't give offense to the Jews or to the Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. Now, if you've read the scripture very much and you've read very much that Paul wrote, you know Paul was not a people pleaser. I mean, sometimes, I don't know, that Paul could have ever pastored a church for very long. They would have run him off. He was just blunt. He's straightforward. He just said it like it was. But here we get a picture of Paul as someone says, look, my heart, my desire is to please everyone, whatever I do. I don't just do what's best for me. I do what's best for others so that many may be saved. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. He said, I, the pressure on me to please people will not cause me to violate my responsibility to please God. Please him first, but then I'll bend in any way I can and I will adapt in any way I can if I can some way positively influence someone else. I'll do it. Difference between that and being a people pleaser where you're pressured to always do what pleases someone else or what's expected of you. So yes, we're called to fit in. You know, you said, if you think about different people that are around you, one of, the best, one of the first things you need to do to effectively communicate to them is to try to establish some type of common interest. If you learn how to, to, to evangelize or to reach people, one of the first things you learn to do is to, is to be sensitive to people when you're talking to them and pick up on things that they're interested in, that they're talking about. You look around them and see what's going on in their life and you try to speak into where they are. You speak to their situation. You speak to the, you know, uh, used to we'd go out years ago, we'd go out and we'd go over entire communities and we'd go door to door and we'd talk to different people and, and and, you know, as you learn to walk by homes or go up to homes, we, we were not Jehovah's Witnesses, but we did witness for Jehovah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But we'd come up situations there, and you'd recognize. You could see in the yard if there were some little toys there and everything. Then what do you do when you start talking to someone that you don't know? You introduce yourself. You're very cordial and everything. But you say, hey, man, you know, you have a family, right? Listen, if you want to connect with people, start talking about their kids. Start saying something good about their kids. No matter how ugly their kid is, start to say, no, I'm sorry, but start. There's <laughs> just some things you just need to edit out, to take that out. It doesn't need to stay in there. But what do you do? You find a common ground with them. But you find that common ground without participating in wrongdoing or sin, without compromising in that way. It's, 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 this is, should be simple, but sometimes when it gets down to living out, it's not always that simple. So fit in, yes. Stand out, be different, answer still, yes. Is this legalism then? 
Does this mean then I've got to just always be concerned that I'm afraid I'm going to sin or mess up or I'm going to, no, this is not what this is talking about at all. This is talking about grace that works in in your life that will begin to change your wants, change your desires, that will begin to help you limit things in your life and make the right choices. It's not legalism. That's real freedom. I mean, that's real freedom. Love, the Bible says, when we stand out, yes, the Bible says, don't love the world or anything in it. 1 John chapter 2 says, love not the world or anything in it. But Jesus, that God so loved the world that he gave his own, wait, wait just a minute. Here we're told, don't love the world, and the Bible says, God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. When it says, don't love the world, it's not talking about don't love people. It's talking about don't love the world's values. Don't, don't, don't love the world's attitudes that are contrary to the word of God. Don't love sin. Don't love anything that's apart or separate from, from what the Lord desires. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, the Bible says, come out, come out from among them and be separate. Now, I know a lot of settings where that's been preached over the years in churches, and that meant that you just didn't have anything to do with anybody. The Bible says, come out and be separate. So, bless God, I'm not going, I'm not going to be around those people because they do things they shouldn't be doing. So, I'm, not going to, I'm supposed to be separate. I'm going to live a separate life. You know, that's a hermit. You'll never, ever really impact anyone if you're just so afraid that you somehow are going to be infected by what's going on in their life if you're around them. Jesus continually identified and was with sinners, with people, hanging out with the crowd. He never became a part of the crowd in the sense of sinning, but he was with them. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. God calls out people for himself, a holy people set apart from him, for him and set apart from the world. Now, Paul didn't compromise his convictions, even if it did offend. He said to the Ephesian church, he said, you should no longer walk like the rest of the Gentiles do. In other words, stand out, be different. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse seven through nine. I wanna bring it down to this before we go today. Is yes, there are times and ways to fit in to what's going on around you, to fit in to what we say is what's going on in the world or culture. But you never do that. You never do that to the point of where you're compromising your faith and your life of following Christ. And then there's always a word from the Lord that says you need to be different from the world around you. Be different. In other words, look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, says... Paul says, for you know, for you know that you ought to imitate us, follow our example. In this situation, he was simply saying, he was in a setting there and they were working and they were making a living. They were earning to pay for their expenses. They were earning money uh, to pay for their own expenses while they were ministering and, and preaching there. And he said, we chose to work rather than to take up an offering, I'll paraphrase it, rather than expect you to feed us because we didn't want the idea to get out there that what we were doing, we were doing because you, we didn't want you to think that 
that we were depending upon you to take care of us, and we didn't want you to think that the only reason we were doing it was so that you would provide for us. So I didn't want that to hinder the gospel in any way. I don't want to hinder. So he says, we chose to work and earn our own way here in, this, in that particular situation. Now he goes on and says, now I, we had the right to it. We had authority, authority for it. Yes, it was your responsibility to provide for us during that time. He said, nothing wrong with it, but I chose not to do it because I didn't want to hinder the gospel. I didn't want to hinder the witness for the Lord. Powerful, powerful words here. Now, what this is really saying is that Paul says, I want you to, isn't that a strong word? You know, imitate, imitate. Be, be an example. In verse nine there, he says, he says to make, he, we wanted to make ourselves an example. That, that word example in the Greek is the word tupos or typos, which literally means stamp, like a stamping something, a seal, impression. So what he's saying is make the right impression. In other words, you're going to make an impression on someone. Anytime you're with someone, you're going to make some kind of impression on them, good or bad. But you're going to impress, you know, it's not about impressing people, but you will make an impression on them. The question for us to ask ourselves this morning is what kind of impression am I making on people around me? 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 says that, that Paul goes on and says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's a bold statement. Paul wasn't saying he was perfect here. But he was saying, my whole heart, my desire is to follow Christ, to, to follow him. And as I follow him, you follow in that way. He told Titus in chapter 2, verse 7, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Well, to many today, they think that you need to become like an unbeliever so that you can win them to Christ. I... Uh, this sermon's not about tattoos, so any of you that got them, don't relax. It's okay. But I've had people, I've had people share with me over the years that they, 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 got, it, they got a tattoo. I said, okay, why, why did you do that? And for a lot of people, they just got one because somebody else was doing it. I just kind of liked it. Now, y'all would love for me to go back to the Bible and talk about tattooing and piercing here just a minute, but that's not where we are today. But I've had people say, I went in and did it because I hang out with this crowd and everything. And all, they got tattoos everywhere. And I thought if I got a tattoo, then I would, I, I would have a greater influence with them. That's not what Paul meant by saying, become all things all men and win some. You don't have to have a tattoo to effectively reach people. You don't have to have body piercings to effectively reach people. If you do, no word of condemnation. That's between you and your family and the Lord and you know, and what, you know, what, do you want, what do you want to do with your life? But, uh, but this, this, is, this is kind of entered into the mindset of believers that if I'll, just, if I'll just go hang out with them, if I go to the bars and the clubs, then I'll be able to reach them. If I do these things, then, then if I become like them, I have to do that. I have to become like them in order for them to become like me. Now think about it. Does that make any, does that make any sense at all? No. No. You are to adapt to them up to a point. 
But if you so blend in that you can't tell the difference, then how in the world are you going to ever help them move from where they are? It's a strong word. That's why I get so quiet. It's just a strong word. But it's so down to earth and practical, isn't it? We all deal with this. That tension between, well, should, do I go along with this or not? Do I do that or not? Paul did not become worldly in order to win the world. Yeah, do the best you can not to offend, but always do it without compromising your faith in the gospel, denying the truth. Now, when you reject the pattern of this world, not conform, that doesn't mean that you just live off by yourself because the word teaches us that you and I are to be salt and light to the world around you. One of the greatest temptations today as Christians is to desire to please the world rather than God. We tend to become like those we associate with those, the ones we pay most attention to. And I even see it in the church. Today, so much of the church even good churches, are market-driven. They're driven by the market. They're driven by what's popular. It's true. I love good worship. I love instruments. I, I, love, I love lights, lighting, theater. I love those things. I love, we haven't had many fog around here yet, but I love when you have the fog. and, that and say, I'm, I'm, I love those kinds of things. I love it. It's great. But there's been the tendency among some believers today to put so much emphasis on look what we're doing. And look, we can do greater than, than, than uh, look, that, that concert, that secular concert, or that person that, 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 you know, we can, do, we can have better lights, we can have better sound, we, have, we can do that. And then people will come. Then people will come and listen to us. I understand there's a side to that. I understand that's true. But if you ever take the emphasis off of why you're really here, an emphasis off the gospel and reaching people to Christ to see them become different, if you ever take the emphasis off that and put it on, on, on being just like them, and we have to have all those things in order to reach them, then we miss it. We miss it. And today there's been so much emphasis in churches to have to market it, to have to be like everybody else, to have to do like they do. In order, they'll never come. They just won't come unless we give them what they want. Reaching people is not about giving them what they want. It's about helping them to get what they need. Just every now and then, there's a word that just comes right down, zeroes in me, that's a word directly from God that's not a part of anything that I planned, and that was just one. And when that comes, I know that truly this is the Lord wanting us to focus on this, to understand that yes, we want to reach out and identify in every way we can, but please understand that if you try to identify so hard that you lose your identity in Christ, you will never help them. You'll never help them. Probably I didn't mean to start hollering. You know, some kids think that I holler too loud, but I, I, I don't do that very often, do I? But, but this is so strong. This is so important for us today. So important. There's a problem today, yes, even churches of zealous overzealous, seeker-friendly churches that feel like that they've got to try to adapt everything that everybody else likes in order to reach them. It's just simply not true. What we need today is the power of the gospel. What we need today is the power of the Holy Spirit. 
have all these other wonderful things, that's fine. But if you've got all that and you don't have the power of God, you do not have a demonstration of his power, you don't have the reality and power of his word coming to you, then you're not getting what you need. And God help us to always want, desire what needs. You know, sometimes when you're different, it's not always easy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all those who desire to live a godly life set apart those who desire to stand out in Jesus Christ, it says all who desire to live this way will be persecuted. It's not always easy. It's a double negative, but excuse me. It's not always easy to not be the same. Hey, look, um, we have to learn how to navigate ourselves between the waters of being excessive, go along with the crowd, and excessive, always attacking them and, and wanting to kind of keep ourselves away, to keep ourselves pure and clean and not being salt in life. I want to ask you, we're coming down to close right now, I want to ask you some, I want to ask some questions that I want to serve as a guide that will help you determine when you get in these situations how far to go to fit in or to stand out. First of all, when you're tempted to do something and be a part of something, ask yourself a question. Does it align or agree with the word of God? That is, does it align or agree with the word? Second question is, does it or will it honor God, who he really is? Is this honoring? Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, do all for his glory. The third question is, does it bring blessing or cursing? And the last question, as a guide, is does it weaken my influence or witness as a follower of Christ? Does it weaken my influence? If it does, it's time to move away from the adaptation and fitting in and in love and humility be willing to be different, to be transformed from the inside out so that you make the right impression on those that are around you that will bring them from where they are to where Christ can take them. God help us to do that. God help us to do that. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. So important for us to hear this, Lord. I understand. I understand. It's so important for all of us to hear this because we're, we're challenged. We're challenged every day with a tendency, uh, with, with, with opportunities to, to allow us to subtly compromise and begin to move into a direction, thinking all along, well, there's no harm in it. But use those questions that I just asked, folks. Use those. And Lord, help us to, to follow this as, as we worship, we close out today. Um, I, I, I think it's important for us to take this time to ask the Lord to help us and to show us not... I'm not talking about just this morning, but to show us in days to come, to give us discernment to know how to effectively impact people around us. Maybe there have been some areas in your life where there's been too much compromise. And if you allowed some things to go on in your life that shouldn't be there, and you know that, that you, you have a call from the Lord to be separate in the sense of your part, your life is set apart to live for Christ. And right now you understand that because of compromise and 
because of giving in situations that, that uh, it's been the wrong impression. It's hurt you and it may even hurt other people around you. Uh, some of you are struggling with some things, with decisions going on in your life. And, and you just, in your heart today, in your life, you just say, Lord, I freshly surrender my life to you. Help me, Lord, to have a greater sensitivity to your spirit. Be aware of what's going on around me. And God, guide me as to how I can become all things to all men in an effective way to reach them. But also keep me. Keep me from walking into areas, Lord, where I shouldn't be that actually do more harm than it does good. Help me, Lord, to know the difference. And your word says, Lord, that the steps of a good or righteous person, one who follows Christ, are ordered or directed by the Lord. And so we ask you, in coming days, weeks, Lord, that we'll be more sensitive to this and we'll allow you to direct our steps. In Jesus' name, amen.